had the problem, yeah. I'd said goodbye. Accepting yeah. that, that for me was the final nail. Hi there everyone, uh, welcome back. We've had a quick break um, and we've swapped seats, you might notice. So Max has uh, stepped out uh, just to let Jack in because I'm sure you're like itching to... God, I mean, you, you had to sit there and like not ask anything or not interact. I would have found that quite difficult. I did have one or two questions. Sure. But they've been answered from the story progressing. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I did want to pull the mic, but it, they weren't burning too much. Okay. It's all right. Okay, cool. All right. Um, I mean, feel free anyway, but I was thinking the second part might be a good idea to just sort of recap a touch and then go into sort of the here and now, I, I would like to think. Um, so thinking back, uh, you've completed the ADTP. We've talked about you becoming a peer supporter for many years that I believe with us, you helped a lot of people after that. I mean, goodness me, there was times where we'd sit as a team of counsellors and go like, I think we need to bring Sean in on this one. You know, you were very much a part of the team is how we saw you, um, which is kind of why we hung on to you really. I mean, there was a case sometimes of like somebody being a bit too much, like, like we don't want to create like another dependence, mm. but we found a way to sort of Make, make peace with that I think because you were so valuable to the team and there were other peer supporters that kind of came and went and there were some that were kind of quite long as well and that was great um, but you, you yourself you've done your peer support a bit you've, you've, you've I think you finished being a peer support I'm not sure it's, uh, if that was because you went to a different category jail or just you found something else I think there was some education there somewhere mm. I think you did a few things but perhaps you can sort of start by you know starting at the end as it were you know you finished sort of with the ADTP what did you sort of do after that point, leading up to actually where you are now? Um, I got voted in as the chair for the prison AA group, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of helped develop, if you like. Yep. Um, and, and, and that became quite popular. Um, popular to the point where it could become a bit problematic because there was, there was more people than seats. Um, <laughs> and then I'd had a conversation with... One of the counsellors who had said to me, with the right level of education, I'd, I'd probably be good at what I was doing. So I embarked on a, um, a distance learning course and got a level five diploma in counselling, um, which my plan was to get out of prison and, and maybe pursue um, paid work. That didn't happen. Um, but I did c- continue peer, peer mentoring and... I got involved with the young people's services around Slough for a while. Um, but I wasn't earning money. So I uh, got got into work and, and, and everything else kind of sort of drifted. I drifted away from it, you know, regrettably. I'm going to steal the mic. I've got a question already. So you were obviously looking for the paid work. So that, why didn't that come? It's just not out there, couldn't get the right support or the connections. I just don't think it was happening <laughs> fast enough. You know, I, I got released from prison. Um, I got sent to a hostel as part of the process. You know, um, rather than just release me straight onto the street, I, I went to an approved premises, they call it, where I could be monitored again, but allowed to live in the community. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that was for six months. Um, and they had an in-house AA meeting I became the chairperson for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was making sort of steps around uh, around the Slough area. Um, 
and then I got involved with with one of the charities there, and I'd go into the youth clubs around Slough. Um, but I needed to get earning money. It was all right mm. whilst I was in the hostel, mm-hmm. and then my time came for me to move out, and and now I'm having to pay my own rent, and live live for myself basically. Um, so I got into work, and um, I got a job on a railway, and I'm I'm still there. You know, earning earning a good wage, enjoying my job, but I find myself on a daily basis still doing my sort of helping my my coworkers kind of thing. You know, because there's a mixture of all kinds of people. A lot of people I work with are young people, and they'll come to me with, well, not come to me, but they'll they'll express a, a problem, and I'll kind of go, I've had that, <laughs> because the one thing I've got is, <laughs> is a lot of experiences. You know, so so I share that as a, as a means of, you know, you, you're not on your own. I know where you're coming from. Mm. You know, and I think I, I think people that I've I've come into contact with in and out of prison have, have discovered that. You know, I I can relate. I do know where they're coming from. I have been there. Again, sorry, I want to. I should have just kept Jack, kept Jack on here, shouldn't we? Got this still. But again, when I was talking about like the acceptance and stuff for people, no matter what people have done or what their paths have been. So you're working on the rails now. It's still pro- people with problems. Yeah, people have still got issues. They may be a little bit different settings, different situations than what you was dealing with within the prison group works and stuff like that. Actually, dig a little bit deeper. It all comes down to whether it's addiction or the self of pur- the, the purpose, like a yeah, a, a feeling of purpose. <coughs> people need solutions and need not answers so much. But go on. Uh, now I was gonna say, because you're talking about problems, I read a book and it has had a really good perspective on problems. So it said like problems, like everything in your life is a problem. So if you need to like, if you're thirsty, it's a problem because you need to go get a drink. So it's more like how you deal with those problems. So I suppose if you could give advice to help people deal with the problems in the right way, because let's say, I don't know, you <coughs> had to leave your hostel, so you had to find paid work. So that was technically a problem. Now you've gone out and you found yourself a job that's paid work. You said it pays quite well. So it's how you deal with it. So you're probably feeling good about how you dealt with that problem. Does that make sense? Um, so being resilient as well. Yeah, so it's, but then if you don't deal you didn't deal with that problem then it could have gone like maybe a different way so that's all i want to say really it's on the problem i think it's you're slightly underplaying the the railway job that you've got which i understand is actually having quite a lot of responsibility when you say working on the railways you might yeah. think yeah, what bang, do, banging what pins in do you know what i mean but like what what does your work entail would you say um i work in what's called critical safety so um there was an incident last year i think it was where the guys up in wales got hit by a train yeah, they're out working, and we 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 work on open railway lines, and I'm um, a site warden lookout. So basically, we set up a thing called a sail pack, which is a safe system of work. We just have to maintain that that system of work is being adhered to at all times because we're one point two five meters away from a train traveling one hundred and twenty five mile an hour, digging holes, using machinery. Um, We'd had this this on, you know, um, ear defenders and things like that, and we provide the safety to keep the guys working and protecting them, because like this this it's almost like um you, you don't get a second chance when you get struck by a train at 125 mile an hour. So they're all like say 1.5 meters away from a train going past is where they're working. You can touch it. Have you not seen them? I've, yeah, I've seen like network rail guys like walking well, said, like, along, yeah. but I never really. 
I've just seen them. Like, you think I've never really thought down. about it. But like, when you said like you're one point five meters away from a train going like hundred and twenty miles an hour, like that's just blowing my brain a little bit. <laughs> but the thing is, you've still got the same level of um, bravado. You've got people that are quite resilient to the fact that you're there to help them. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're doing their job, they're doing the same job they've done every day for years and years and years. They've become a little bit complacent. Complacent, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and and it's like, you know, and it's, it's it is one of the safest um, industries to be in, I guess, because you're so heavily protected. So, what measures do you take to stop people getting it? Then, well, you you, you set up your, your your barriers, yeah, and it might just be in an imaginary line. So, for example, I always take a tin of spray paint in my bag and I spray a couple of little dots along the, the verge, let's mm-hmm. say. And I say, this is this is the two, 1.25 metres. No one's to stray beyond that line. And if they do, you just go get back. You know? You've got to be on the ball. You've got to be on yeah, the ball. Yeah. <coughs> like I say, there's no second chances. And if they've got the headphones on, or, or ear defenders, mm. the... the, 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 the it's a communication is touch. Mm-hmm. You know, the amount of people you're tapping on their shoulder and they're like, yeah, one minute, one minute. <laughs> you're like, you ain't got a minute, mate. The train come in, 100 mile an hour. Yeah. yeah. With um, a lot of people getting out of jail, the biggest challenge I think they face is to get work. And like, what were the factors in place for, for you to get like, what sounds like quite an interesting job, sounds quite well paid. Um is it something that you kind of built up to or did you just turn up at the interview? Uh, how did you broach the whole subject of being in prison, I, anything like I, that? I, I had absolutely no intentions whatsoever working on the railway. Uh-huh. Um, I was in the hostel and one of the lads went, I need your help. You know, And I was like, with what? He said, oh, I need to get information regarding, it's called PTS, personal track safety. And I was like, don't know what that is. And he... he Lost his head. Oh, oh, I thought you was the man. And we, I, I helped him get some information about getting a job on a railway. And the more I looked into it, I thought, do you know what? I wouldn't mind a bit of this. Is a is a sh- quick fix because it's it's good money. Um, because I needed obviously to get working. So that that was it. And and um, you know, my license conditions are such that I have to state. You know, I'm, I'm I've been to prison. I went to prison for murder. Because I was under certain conditions, so it's 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 lawful for me to to tell my employers. And if you don't mind me asking, how was that conversation with them? Was it? How, yeah, how was it? I didn't find it difficult. No, no, and 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 the reaction wasn't. It was, you know, it was it was polite and kind. Yeah, because I can imagine if you backed that up with like all the positive stuff that you'd done, is that. Your chairman of the AA meetings that throughout prison and then in your hostel, like already just meeting you today, I can see like you seem like quite a happy person. We saw you in the car park smiling, come over, shook a hand, yeah. like yeah, like yeah. So I can imagine, yeah, they wouldn't hold back like, at all. But at the same time, you always hear of people struggling to get given that second chance. So something that here to listen, I think, are really really good at is giving <coughs> people second chances. Do you look at the young people that we work with on program? Some of these young people have been chucked out of schools. They come away tarnished with this. Sorry, Max, a little closer. Tarnished with this brush. But we don't. Every time someone comes on our program, they come as a clean slate. We don't. We don't have no tags, no labels around their neck. There's nothing. We don't. You know, that's the, they come away. It's a new beginning. They start the journey with us. It's a new beginning. But not every employer is like that, and it's clear because you always see and hear of people that are 
just struggling to get get that job, to get mm. that stepping stone, to get that guidance or that bit of support. You were doing something that you really loved, um, and you was mentoring and doing X, Y, and Z. But then you actually have to start paying for things. And this is another thing that we say, like, I'd volunteer for the rest of my life if I didn't have to pay bills. Mm. But we're in a world where we can't survive like, because what we don't want to do is end up on the streets because we know where that leads, drugs, alcohol, crime, straight away, or death. Like, it's, it's not a good path. You don't want to be going down that road. So we're conditioned, and it's embedded into us that we need to make money. We have to. But how nice it would be to actually be able to get the best of both and be able to do that. And it sounds like you're doing it. So you're almost mentoring, but you're getting paid. But you're not paid to be a mentor, but you still get to do that. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, it yeah, seems yeah. like it's actually worked out really, really nice. And actually, all the journey that you've had has come into play and made you the, obviously the person you are today and, and able to obviously give out some more um Informa- not information, it's not the word I'm looking for, guidance and support and just mentor those that come to you for that sort of guidance. And I think, like, again, these boys said when they see you in a car park, approachable, you're an approachable guy. Like, again, that goes a long way and that's probably why people come up to you and sort of ask for support and a bit of guidance. And we always said to students, staff normally, we recruit 120 seasonal staff each summer, not this summer because of COVID, <laughs> but... Usually we have 120 people come work for us throughout throughout the summer and we go to the universities and stuff and we're talking about, you know, the education that they've got and it's, you know, it's very important, but actually life experience is just as important. Uh, we, we, we bank on having a bit more experience on that CV other than just the education that you've got because that's great and that will get you into certain jobs, but actually in our line of work, when we're looking to, for people to to lead and to inspire, to motivate and to, m- like, just be that mentor for those young people. We're not all about the education. We need to know that you, you've lived a little bit, you know what I mean? And you've, you've got something to give back and you can guide them in that way. Personality, that's what we look for. Personality, yeah. that's come up a couple of times. So, I know, um, so we worked, um, me and Jack went to uh, a group of young, like, uh, it was a house basically for young offenders that come, they'd been moved from London to a different area. And uh, the idea was to get them out of the area to help them sort of grow and, of taking this path they're now able to go down a different path because they're taken away from the group or the area that they was in and uh this one lad uh we we had f- we took five of them didn't we and how many of them made it to the end of the course three is it three or four three or four so i think we lost one on day one <laughs> yeah lost. don't think we don't think they ever got kicked off they just didn't complete three it. came to the second week yeah do you remember when we had to yeah. go remove yeah. and we had to go and move him and then we was left with I'm pretty sure only one of them made well, actually it. Actually finished it. Yeah, actually finished it <coughs> and got to the end. But it's like when you're saying he's working with twelve people, three of them, if they get to the end, that's a success. It looks success, yeah. Um so the one lad that did get to the end and come to the graduation of it, a year later was able to well that company that we went to that was working with him, uh, asked us if we had any job roles coming up for the summer. Like just a team assistant roles, wasn't it? So it's almost you got the team leader holds all responsibility and the team assistant just assists them and uh what he was doing, he come on as a team assistant and that led on to him getting an apprenticeship within mentoring young people that had come from his background. So like that was like so uh, yeah, that's a perfect was, journey yeah, for him. Yeah, so it's such a good good uh, journey for him. So now we've literally seconds. pointed him on. Um, I think that is actually I don't know, I think that's something that we could get from this conversation is actually don't let your past dictate where your future's gonna go, but also don't let your past go past without reflecting on what happened. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was going to say that um, I'm very willing to share my my prison experience, my 
past experience because it's so I can't think of the word, but it is it's so important as to where I am now that that's factored into my my story. Mm. You know, and when I, I came out, I I was I'm sure I've just come out of prison, you know, because it was a big chunk, you know, because people people sort of saying how come you're doing this job at your age? And, you know, because before I did what I'm doing now, I was what they call on a railway shovel monkey. I was just a labourer. I was just, just mucking in with, with, you know, and it's it's something you do when you first come on a railway. And most people first come on a railway from school. You know, if you take a career in a, un, uh, in, in, in a railway, it's, it is usually long-term. So I was going, you know, I, 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 I don't want to lie and say, you know, I've been living abroad or, you know, I was a... Mm you know, a, a priest or, or whatever. So, I, I, you know, I've started my life again <coughs> because I've been to prison. And people was kind of... And, and that, for me, was a bit risky. It was a bit bit scary. And people go, hey, you all right? You're amongst friends here. You know, and people would sort of joke about, ah, oh, 90% of the people on the railway being in prison, or should be. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's actually true. But um, after a couple of years, I go, oh, hello, I'm Sean. I've just come out of prison. And people go, you're not Sean from prison. You're just Sean now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was kind of like, ah, oh, okay. I wonder if an, an element of that as well is what you might have got from the program where the the counterpoint to all the shame and deception and all the kind of addictive behaviours is honesty and authenticity and being real with people. And like you say, you could have said, oh, yeah, I've been on holiday. If it For me, it'd feel a bit like buying into that old way of thinking, you know, even if it's just a scratch, it's like a step in that direction towards that. And and obviously seeing so much value with your sharing within the groups and your sharing in the rooms with AA and all that. You get you get used to authenticity. You get used to honesty, and and a lot of what we did with the guys on the program was this belief that if you get it all out there, you'll find that you're not the only one, and that there's actually nothing to be ashamed of. Mm. You can acknowledge the things you've done. You can acknowledge that they might have been wrong, or that there were factors that led to that point. But what you don't want to do is do stuff that feeds into shame and feeds into like, oh god, I feel such a bad person because that that's the route, the path to the dark side, as they might say in Star Wars, and um. Our hope, I think, on the program was that we'd kind of train people to be that honest. And I wondered if you have thought that's what you were doing, or whether you were sort of conditioned to just be honest, because at all costs. Do you, do you know what? I I think I found it easier. Easier so, than the d- deception. Yeah, yeah. You know, to kind of just because one of the things because I, I I went into Aylesbury Prison. Uh, whilst in the hostel, I got invited in today to go and speak with some lads, and um, I come to the realization that I had more in common with guys that are under twenty-one than I did with guys that were f- like forty-three, the age I was when I when I come out. You know, and um, being honest and upfront about where I'd been and what I'm doing, it, it had to be that way. I think, mm. you know. Because of that deception, if if I start trying to make up excuses for why I'm doing what I'm doing at this late stage in my life, then everything that follows is is a deception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, why haven't I got kids? Why haven't I been married? Why haven't I? You know, I learned to drive only five years ago. <laughs> you know, that van is the the, the the third car I've owned. You know, um, and people have oh, oh, you must have been driving for years, or you know, and and, and guys that I work with, oh, you must have a few quid. 
But I think by being honest as well, like by meeting you today, um, like when Adam said like a little bit like about who you are and stuff, it's like, oh, like I don't know what what I'm gonna be able to say, but like meeting you today, like you've just been like such an open book. And I said earlier in the break days, generally been a privilege to like listen to your story and like really enjoyed like speaking to you. Um, so but by being so open, if this is making me feel like I can just like accept you like into like the friendship group or anything like that, I can imagine in the workplace and stuff like that. Being open is probably the best way to go. Like that's how yeah, I see it. You mentioned the van earlier, and I do want to kind of bring <laughs> it. Like, um, you know, what's what's life like yeah. after jail? Well, van, like, van that just drove behind you, yeah, look, look, <laughs> got a picture of it up here. Um, and from from the outside looking in, I see it as a sort of like symbol of freedom. You know, it's this thing that like you 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 can you can go about, you can sleep in it for goodness sake. You know that kind of thing, and. Um, in the spirit of like the things that you've decided to do once you're released. Tell us a bit about that, but have you got any other things that you're really looking to do now you've spent so long in jail? Um, well, this year was a bit of a, you know, it was a bit messed up obviously with COVID, but I got a passport for the first time this year. And um, I did plan with some friends to go to Barcelona in June, but that hasn't happened. And I, I, I'm, I'm eager to get and, 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 see things that I've only ever seen in books or on TV. You know, I don't want, um, you know, I've, I've taken nature is, is, is my, my higher power, I suppose. Um, and, and driving up here, for example, loved it. I said that right at the start. Um, you know, my van is my kind of, you know, my little escape. I, I refuse to work at weekends. You Your know, man. yeah, I refuse to work at weekends because... Um, I just want to get out and go and, and, and spread my wings a little bit. You know, on the drive up, I thought, oh, I haven't got my sleeping bag in the van. Otherwise, I'd have found someone and just stayed up here tonight. Yeah. You know? Um, my landlady's I think got we've a got a couple dog. of spare sleeping bags in the, in the <laughs> gear. I'll take this. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. We actually yeah, might yeah, do, yeah. yeah. We've got loads of sleeping bags and stuff. But yeah, my, my landlady's <laughs> got a little dog and um, I, I kind of, I, I enjoy taking him for walks and... Um, yeah, it's so it sounds like the finer things in life, like yeah, the, the nature. You talk about nature and stuff. Liam was talking about that being, you know, going on a bike ride or uh, going for a run can be a form of meditation and escapism. Yeah. You just said like it's your escape, your van, your escape. But just taking in that natural beauty, the scenery, and taking walks. How often do we try to get young people or, or anybody actually just to sort of home in on some of that because it's there, it's all around us. If you live in the concrete jungles, you know, your cities and that, not so much. But you've got to make time to get out and sort of appreciate. But if you don't appreciate that sort of stuff at that time of your life, you're just looking at someone tell, giving you that advice going, I don't want to walk in a forest, mate. What are you talking about? I don't get no pleasure out of that. You have to be there yourself. Like you say, you've come <coughs> on that journey. You've done this whole journey. I'm now doing the things I want to do as opposed to the things I didn't want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, um, and I have a choice. And that, that's, you know, my, my life was kind of mapped out for me. I'm still quite rigid in, in, I like to eat at the same time every day. I can't sleep with a door open. Um, and they're things that I think they're going to be with me forever. But um, moving from where I was to where I am, I think it was easy because it was so natural. You know, I didn't really have to make much effort. I just kind of did it. And I think that's because um, 
you know, I think Ad alluded to it earlier on about um, I'm very passionate about what I believe in nowadays and, and what I want for myself and <laughs> for everyone else, I guess. What do you want for yourself now? Um, very little. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want a little bit more um, <laughs> time to do what I'm doing. Mm. Um, there's never enough time in my in my days anymore. Mm. I, I, I kind of try and fill things up. I, I, I cycle ride every now and again. Um, I quite enjoy times on my own. Um, I like I like being being on my own sometimes. Um, don't particularly like my job um, because it, it it affects what I want to do in regards to my hobbies and my other pursuits. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I I do like work, but um, I wish I could afford not to. Yeah, <laughs> you know? don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> Says the man that's going travelling next year. If, if all these aeroplane flights open up again, I'm going even if they don't, mate. I'm going on a on a raft. You take Sean's van. <laughs> yeah, come on, Sean. Come, come Thailand with the boys. <laughs> well, there's 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 something there's a simplicity to that I find, and I think again, as someone that hasn't lived the life that you, the, the assumption would be is that if you spend that long in jail, you get out you, the world you're always in, you've just been doing mad stuff like you know, going to the pyramids, you know, just mental stuff. But there's something, you, talk, you talked about being linked with nature. There just seems something very naturistic about it. I'm almost, as you're talking, the sort of the winds in the trees and there's a peacefulness to it and there's a a, a, a lack of complexity, I think. And I can see why that would be attractive because mm. you've had such a complicated life and you've had such a... I'm going to use the word traumatic. I don't know if you were, but I hear I feel trauma from what you've been saying. And why would you want anything that grand or massive? Because you just want it to be level at the moment. Absolutely. I, I um, yeah, I've got no complications in my life now compared to how I had, you know. And 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 the complications that I do have are so easy to fix. You know, they're not oh scary and. You know, I need to go and get pissed to to deal yeah. with it. You know, it's well considering what you've been through, the problems that come across, you come across now. I bet you just start like it's nothing. Like in the whole grand scheme of things, you like being late for work or having someone moaning at you for something. It's just like it's just nothing. The whole of last year, for example, I was travelling on the trains to go up to to Kings Cross where I was working. Um, there's a hundred hundred million, two hundred million pound project going on at there at the moment. And um, driving up there is a bit mental, so I'd be on the on the tube trains at sort of seven o'clock <coughs> in the morning with this guy here breathing down the back of my neck. But I kind of thought, Do you know what? I'm part of the human race. I'm going to work. I'm doing, I'm doing everything that everyone else is doing. And 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 you know, I I, I don't look for pats on the back. But I do like them, and, and 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 I would sort of, yeah, you know, this is this is what everyone else is doing. This yeah. is what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. You know? Anyone would be lying if they said they didn't like pats on the back. Like everyone likes to get a little bit of praise and, and to feel like they were achieving and all that sort of stuff. But it's just weird that got what you got you through that is just like again, everyone else is doing it. Like this is what it's about. Like you've missed out on all that stuff. So you've just come into that and like, well, if they can deal with it, like I can deal with it. I can do mm-hmm. it. I've got to do it. This is what life's about. The same time, I bet you thought, carry on breathing on the back of my neck, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and me and you are going to fall it, but out. It does go right back to the very start where, you know, when I was caught up in addiction and, and crime and everything else, I thought I was the only one. Mm. You know, And even when I came into a prison with a thousand people in it, I still thought I'm the only one. Um, you know, And it's nice to be a part of 
the human race again. Mm. The rat race, as you say. And it is. It's a rat race. I know I'm on the mic, but yeah, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, only, it's only adding the moans anyway. Anyone else got a problem with me not speaking directly into the mic? Let us know in the comments section below. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I was just thinking maybe we'll start wrapping up. Now, but, but I mean, there's definitely one one of the things I wanted to raise with you, Sean, is um, with the expectation that if we don't at the moment, we certainly will have a lot of young people that listen to the podcast. And I don't know about advice or guidance, or is there something that you, could, if there's young people out there that are struggling a bit with addiction, or they, they they're relating a little bit, or they feel they might be on a path, they've done a, you know, they they, they got locked up overnight, blah blah blah, early signs, all that sort mm. of stuff, and. Is there anything that you feel that you could leave with them to perhaps redirect a potential path? Tell someone. Mm. You know, talk about it. Mm. You know, even talk to yourself about it. Mm. You know, just put it out there. Um, I wish I did. You know, even when people was coming to me and saying, Sean, we think, you know, you, you've got a problem. We think you're slipping. And, you know, this is this is a... A golden opportunity, I think, for young people to be saying, you know, this is me, this is my problem, and this is what I want help with. Mm. You know, don't be afraid. You know, just saying it out loud. You just said, just speak to anyone or just speak to yourself and say out. Some people say, don't they? Just saying something out loud is the first step. But when you actually hear it out loud, it actually makes it real rather than just sit there thinking about what's in your mind mm. and things that you might be struggling with or problems that you're encountering. Actually saying it out loud can sometimes make it easier to deal with, make it more reality and then give you that extra little stepping stone to maybe then tell somebody else and have a conversation about it. So that's, yeah, <coughs> awesome. But on the same note, we know what works for one don't work for the other. So advice is good, but I think that when you look at advice like what Sean just gave, just speaking, like, you can't go wrong with that. Mm. Surely, like, but I've, I've heard that come up so many times, like, speaking. We work for an organisation called Here to Listen Talking Therapies. Right, it works. We've seen it. The proof's in the pudding. Mm. It might even just be a conversation about what you've done last night and giving someone that little bit of time a day, opening the door, giving them a compliment or something. But talking works wonders, does it not? It mm. does. Like, so I could say, like, again, I'd, I'd hold that advice and offer that out to anyone. Like, If there is anything that they're worried about, feeling like they're going down the wrong path, they might be having mad thoughts or not in control of their behaviour, speak to someone, own it. Like because we're all messed up in our own way. And <laughs> let's be honest, mm -hmm. we've all got problems, we've all got addictions, we've all got stuff going on. People are too scared to talk about stuff these days. And I think, again, it's going to come back round to social media. And it, it does, <laughs> it does. It all comes down to that because they can only communicate through their flipping phones, right? And it stops you from, it stops the <coughs> human race. Like we are becoming a race of people that actually can't hold conversations. Like, we're all right, we've... we've we weren't born into the dark side, as Adam often says, like the dark side of social media. We've had the life without it. So we've got like, the best of both almost. But you can see the impact it has on communications and people having the confidence to speak out. So I think even just saying it to yourself, first sign of madness, talking to yourself, I know, I know. But say it out loud, then just tell someone that you like. Don't have to be a family member. Could be one of those free support lines, you know, like the yeah. um, anonymous ones. Saying it out loud, um, Oh, give us a call. We could actually start like a phone in line live, couldn't we? And just be like, they could phone in anonymous, just give us something. Agony aunt. Pretty much. I'm not going to say agony aunt. A agony uncles, was it? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uncle, Uncle Max. Max. Uncle Max. <laughs> Uncle Max. No, that's not right. 
<laughs> but I am an uncle. Like, yeah. I, genuinely. And you are, though. Uncle Jack. I you am. actually, Jack's name, from he's Uncle Jack. He's Uncle I Jack. Uncle Jack, Jack is known as Uncle Jack. And mum is known as Nanny Jack. Work that out. <laughs> <laughs> they call Nan Nanny Jack. So Jack's got his name. I'm the only mom. one they care about. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely just speak out and, and get the ball rolling with that. I think that's, that's, can't go wrong with that advice, can we? Agreed. And I think as well, be willing to, to, to hear. You know, if you're asking a question, you know, someone's going to, and this is what I had to do. And, and, and the guy that I was talking about earlier on, he told me some things about myself that I didn't really like, but I'm, I'm kind of grateful that he said them because it was my, it was my rude awakening, I guess. Anything from anyone else before we wrap up? Um, all good. What, what, is, what, what are we going to find out? We know what you've got. You've got salad and some bacon and oh, some chicken. This is this guy. What you got, Jack? I don't mind talking about it because I've got some good stuff. So <coughs> to, to give the listeners a bit of context bit of as context. well, like, yeah, we just decided to do a bring and share today. So we've bought... We're going against Sean's rules stuff. and we're working on a weekend. First time ever. I think. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say that when he said that. I don't work on weekends. Good lad. I hate working on the weekends. Oh, can, I, can I tell you what really I bought? Work. This ain't work, though. I bought an empty belly and a willingness to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got bagels, German salami and a bit of German smoked cheese. Whack them in the toaster. Put together melted pizza. Mm. Well, I was going to bring some crisps, and then uh, Max said you was bringing some crisps, so I didn't bring any crisps. <laughs> oh, so you was going to bring dip and crisps. Dip and crisps, sorry. Which I was so looking forward to Max bringing dip and crisps. Oh, uh, you forgot the dip. I got dip. I got hummus dip, if that's oh, a dip. Oh, away, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I bought flapjacks and some pastries, and I walked in, and there's a flapjack already on the side, <laughs> and some pastries already, so... <laughs> Good. So, yeah, might go. <laughs> I basically raided the kids' cupboard. They've got their own little chocolate. So basically, cupboard. Max saying that he didn't prepare. No, no, no. This He's was deprived his children. This was yeah. last time. No, they get way too much. His granddad buys them way too much, and he keeps saying, oh, "I've got to cut down on chocolate." And that, yeah, if you're listening, Dad, stop it, man. It's just too much. Dentist bills and that. It's just too much. <laughs> Health and all this stuff. But anyway, stole some bits out of the kids' drawers. Went to bed thinking, actually, everything I got in that bag is wicked. It's going to be going down really well. Caramel sticks. Uh, they will. Some chippy crisps. I know. Leon and Adam like when they come around what? a couple of days ago. I liked them as well. Did Jack like them as well? But I always plenty of bags. Anyway, right. but then I woke up this morning, went to the bag in the kitchen, I thought this definitely looks like I have just raided the kid's drawer. <laughs> so then I went and bought some Chelsea buns, if that's what they're called. <laughs> Are they called Chelsea buns? I don't know. I think they look cherry. really nice. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I hit G&M's up and that's where I got the flapjack from, man. So nice. It's only because I had a Fair enough, bad man. Fair enough, it looks good. Anyway, on that note... Uh, we're going to eat. Should we go eat? No, oh. wait, wait. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I just wanted to wrap up as well. Um, so uh, I do want to thank Sean for coming in. Thank yes. you very much, Sean. Thank you for that, Sean. Travelled some distance to, to reach us, and it's been a privilege hearing your story. Um, I do want to do a little shout-out, actually. I want to shout-out the members of the ADTP team. Um, hopefully they'll be able to watch this and actually see one of our success stories in, in Sean. Um, there's, I'm, I'm not going to name them all, but I'll probably name Piers, certainly. Piers was uh, quite integral in... Uh, developing the program beyond its pilot status that was really great thanks to Bertie for being our attached prison officer who did a lot of the managing stuff from a prison point of view and kept relationships between the ADTP and the prison suite which was really great um and Steph yeah. 
Steph, Steph, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got Lucy. Uh, oh, gosh. So it's 13 say, years you, you, ago. You've opened this up now. What you should have done now is I've just shout out the companies because if you forget anyone off that list, yeah. mate, shame on you. You know That's who all you I'm are. Saying. I'm going to broadly say the ADTP Massive, as we used to be called. Or <laughs> I like <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's uh, a, a great podcast for me as well and, and really nice to kind of catch up with Sean Proper as well and actually so. get a little bit of a document of, you know, your life, which... Um, I think I've always wanted to do in some way. We did talk about book writing and stuff, you know, we'll see, but pod seems perfectly adequate as well. Um, and I'd be happy to have you on again another time, you know, just to check in, see how you're getting on, even if it's just by the phone. But no, you know, you're, that's brilliant. you're part of the Here to Listen family now, my friend. Welcome. Okay, so uh, we've been here to listen. Thanks very much. Nice.